walk through um, some things and talk about why we have communion. Okay, why we have communion. So if you'd pull up the first slide for me, Craig. Um, Brad, I, he, he said to me, he says, great, he goes, okay, you're preaching. What do you think your title's going to be? And I said, I don't know what my passage is going to be. What's the title? So we just kind of threw something together here, and we said, hey, um, what about the heart of the matter? And so I said, let's just run with that. So I looked at the heart of the matter, and I said, okay, there's so many different verses. I mean, there's hundreds of references to heart in the Old and New Testament, and and to just land on one was tough. But I I thought, let's go with Hebrews, because I just wanted to illustrate a couple things, I think, that come out very clearly there in the book of Hebrews. So the first thing is um, that uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says this. And and this is not the NIV. This is the, the Grant Willett rendition of that, uh, because I've added just a couple words, not to, um, because I I feel I'm smart, but just for clarity's sake, because I feel according to the original text and the meanings there, it's accurate, okay? Um, So it says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts, feelings, attitudes, and purposes of the heart, so as we, as we look at this scripture verse, I thought, I thought, man, this thing is just so packed full. But I thought, okay, how do, I, how do I get my head around this, right? So as you look at verses, one of the things you're supposed to do is make as many notifications about this as, as you possibly can. So what's going on here? I thought, well, I've got to get some clarity in this. Those, those couple of sentences are just chock full of information. So I wanted, I wanted to do this. If we go to the next slide. To get a picture of who we are. So this is reality. Okay, it says here that there's a soul, there's a spirit, and there's a physical body, the joints and marrow parts. So that's, that's where we live, all right? We're triune. There's three parts to us, just like there's a, a, a triune God. Now, we could go into some big theological discussions about dichotomy and trichotomy and talk about those things. That's not the purpose this morning, and it's not the purpose of this passage. This is, a, this is an explanation to people who are Israelites, to people who were Jewish by birth, but to people who are Messianic Jews, people who believed in Jesus as being the Messiah who had just been sacrificed. Okay? So Paul is saying, hey, listen, here's, here's where we're at, and I want you to understand within the context of what you now believe and know it to be true, here's who we are. Okay? And there's lots of ways that we can understand um, and clarify this. But I wanted to just, the first of all, just take a look at the reality of it. Then I just want to break down these individual pieces. <clears throat> first of all, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it said, God made us out of the earth, and then he breathed into us the breath of life. Okay, so God formed us. God created us. All right, this is, this is something. And as scientists discover more and more the complexities of how we're put together, it just becomes very apparent that there was an intelligent designer that put us together because of the complexity of how we're made. But it's really interesting when you listen to it. God just, hey, he just took some earth, literally, formed us, and then breathed into us the breath of life. That's amazing. Right? Just breathe. I mean, think how much work we have to do, like, just to operate our computers. And those of us who are a little older, it's even more cumbersome, right? Okay, so, so we've got this, this creation that God has made for us. So, so we're created in this, in this image. And if you look at that slide, I, I, the reason I did it this way is this. I wanted to note a couple things. First of all, I put the body, it's kind of a fleshy color on the outside. That's something 
that we all can identify with very easily and readily. But there's another couple components to where we, who we are. There's a soul and there's a spirit. Okay, so if you look, um, uh, if you want to flip to the next slide, if you look to um, the soul part, it's basically the essence of life. It's our essence, right? It's, it's the position where we have, uh, you know, our senses, right? It's, it's the things that, uh, our affections, our appetites, all that kind of stuff is all kind of described as being part of that soul, right? Now, there's another part, which is the spirit. And in the first diagram, I showed that spirit in the center as being red, but I'm going to depict it here as being black, okay? It's dark. Why? Because it's of sin. It's dead. Now, I'm not talking about death where it just ceases to exist. I'm talking about death being a separation from God. This is not about us not having a spirit. This is us about having a spirit that is dead. It's separated from God. Okay, so we've got this soul. We've got this essence of our life. We've got this dead spirit. So then if you flip to the next slide, we've got this body, and it's uh, my earth suit. All right, this is what I look like. And can we see the problem developing here? I mean, if you think about it, us ourselves personally, and then you look at the world around us, it's pretty easy to see what's going on, isn't it? We've got this physical body represented here, but we've spent so much time worrying about this that we're not really taking care of our spiritual needs because our spirit's dead. Why? Because we're caught up in this world, right? Every day, everybody gets up, there's three things you face. One is you face yourself, right? Your ego, your life essence, right? You, you have a specific will that you want to try and fulfill the purposes, right, and aspirations you have. You want to follow your own thoughts, your own thinking process, and the feelings that you operate by. Have you ever run into somebody that you want to sit down and talk to logically, and they can't get past their feelings, right? Or you get someone who's so logical, they almost seem dead because they're just completely unfeeling. I mean, we see this happen around us all the time, right? And we see this in our, in our society. And, and I, I don't want to get political here, but one of the things that bothers me about our politics today is that it's so callous. We have no real compassion for one another and understanding, hey, even in our differences, we can still be agreeable and show the value but I think it's very evident to us that our society doesn't value other people at all. And that's where as Christians, there's something different about us because we do value other people. We're not perfect, but we value other people. Okay, the next slide is the spirit. What am, I, am, I, am I behind here? Okay. All right, so we've got this triunity, right? We're made in God's image. We're, we're a body, we're a soul, and we're a spirit. Okay? And um, this is a package deal. Now, one of the things we know is that the life that we have as Christians is going to continue on beyond the limits of our physical bodies, right? And we're reminded of that today, okay? We saw this funeral yesterday, and we saw, and we're, we know Brad's at a funeral today. And understand the differences there. We, had a, we have a young boy whose family is laying him to rest today, and we had a lady who lived a, a long and storied life serving the Lord, right? When is your end date? We don't know. We don't know when our end date is. So that's a concern, right? So we've got this spirit who is dead. It's separated from the creator that created it. We have this soul 
that's got a final destination, and we've got this earth suit that has a limited amount of time, and we got some decisions to make. Does anybody, it's pretty easy to see our problem, right? We can see the reality, and we understand, hey, we got a problem here. We need some help with this. So, um, yeah, I got behind. Uh, so we need to go to the heart of the matter. So the heart of the matter isn't us individually. The heart of the matter is our Redeemer. So as Christians, as we gather and remember these elements this morning, this is something that was laid out for us by our Redeemer. And as I told you before, this book of Hebrews was written to people who realized that the Old Testament, all the promises of the Messiah, were fulfilled in this historic figure, Jesus Christ. Right? And so they put their faith in that. We can do the same thing. Right? We, we didn't live during the day of Jesus. Right? But we have the historical reference to it. We have the conviction based on our own personal makeup that we need a redeemer. Okay? I, I, and it's really, it's really fun and it's really easy for me to look out in society and go, oh, those people are so much worse than me. Right? It's fun and it's easy for us to compare because it kind of takes you off the hook where you think it does. At least it feels like that temporarily. But the, day, the time when you're alone and you have your own thoughts, God just can just come pouring in there, and I'm sure he's convicted you before. Hey, listen, you need me. I know. You're not out there doing whatever, and we see all these atrocities in our society, but you personally, you're still a liar. You're still a thief. You're still a cheat. Right? We could go on. I mean, if we just went through the first Ten Commandments. Right? If that's all. How many of them have broken just about every one of them? Right? So, so the Lord just convicts us and he wants us to stand before him individually. And that's how he made us, individually. Okay? So we need this Redeemer. So I want to look at a couple passages here. Uh, in Hebrews, it's, it says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. So these guys have their faith in Christ. Perfect. Right? Now, as a result, they were encouraged not to turn back to their own way of thinking, right? Not to turn back to their old religious practices and views. He wanted to move them ahead. Why? They no longer needed to go do sacrifices in the temple to a priest. Why? Because the, the great high priest, he had redeemed them. He had paid the price to buy them back. And by doing so, this dead spirit that was in those people was now made alive. Isn't that cool? Let's go to the next slide. So Jesus replies, and, and this, is, this is going to be really fun just to tie this in. I enjoyed this part. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. This is John chapter 3, verse 5. Who is Jesus speaking to? He was speaking to Nicodemus, right? And Nicodemus had come to him at this point at night under the cover of darkness, and why? Because Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And he was one of the ruling elders of, of Israel. So, I mean, if we see this direct translation across here, okay, here's Hebrews talking to the Israel people, Israelite people who had believed in the Messiah, and here's one who had not yet come to that point. But he was going to come and have a direct one-on-one, person-to-person interaction with the Savior. And Jesus said to him, verily, truly, 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 Absolutely true 
This is what you need. You must be born again. And so for some people, maybe you're here and this born again word, you've heard it tossed around before and you're not exactly sure what it's about. This is what it's about. It's your spirit as a person that was created is separated from its creator and he wants to have you back. He wants to make you part of his family. And so he sent Jesus, the Redeemer, to pay the price that's required to get you out of death. And the only way you can defeat death, death is with life. So when we as Christians, when we come to celebrate this communion, we are fired up. Now as Baptists, we do it in a quiet way, but we're still fired up. All right, why? Because our Redeemer has brought, bought us back. Our Redeemer has resurrected our dead spirit and given us new life. We are literally born again. Because right, Nicodemus' question, we'll go to the next slide. Nicodemus' question, is, he looks at Jesus, he goes, hold on a second, I don't get it. I mean, I, mean, I, I can't be born in my, from my mother's womb again. And Jesus said, no, right? You have to be born of the spirit. But if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of the sin, the Spirit gives you the, um, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. So he says to Nicodemus, he goes, Nicodemus, hold on a second, you're missing the point here, right? Very literal, physical religion, right? Or, or, or race, these Jewish people. And he goes, hey, Nicodemus, I want you to understand this. Okay, I'm not talking about your physical practices here. I'm talking about the condition of those inner parts that you and I can't see. Right, so he says, I want you to, and this is where, yeah, so he says, I want to talk about those inner parts you can't see. He goes, you have to be born of the Spirit. Now, in the first part of this message, or the first part of this verse, it says, hey, listen, um, the, the Word of God is like a sword. It's not a sword, it's like a sword, but it's able to divide those invisible parts of you. Right, we talked about the earth suit, joints and marrow, joints. Right? That's the pieces that hold bones together, isn't it? If you, have, if you get rid of the joints, how much can you do? Not much. Where does the marrow come from? It comes from the inside of the long bones of your body, right? And it produces like 500 billion red blood cells every day to nourish the 60,000 miles of veins and arteries you've got in your body. I mean, it's just unbelievable, right? But if you take those two things away from your physical body, you're dead. It doesn't work. Okay, you can't move, you can't function, okay? You're, you're not producing any new life, right? But it's the, it's the same thing with your spirit. If that spirit isn't regenerated, okay, then you're dead. But Jesus, right, has come through and divided those things, and he allows you to be separated from that death and be joined with him in life. And this is one of the incredible things. The next slide, please. One of the incredible things is this. Um, oops. Get the next slide for me. Yes, no, yes, no. Is it up there? And the rain has knocked out our electronics. A little liquid sunshine will take care of all kinds of stuff. All right, well, let's just run. Let's, we'll go ahead and finish this up. Um, I'm going I'm to go to... Uh, I'm going to go to the last slide. Okay. But if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin... The Spirit gives the life because of righteousness. So we're dead in sin. We are not righteous. We have to have someone who is. So Jesus came as the Messiah. 
He was God in the flesh. He came here to pay the penalty for our sins. He lived a sinless, perfect life, even though he was tempted just like we are. Right? He, he consumed oxygen. He was hot. He was cold. He was hungry just like we get. He didn't do anything wrong because he was God. Then he provided that sacrifice that's satisfactory to God so we can know we have eternal life. Okay? So we just want to walk through this really simply. And, and as Jesus... Um, just before he was crucified, he was having supper with his disciples and he said to them, hey, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And he introduced the whole concept of communion that we follow today. He said, when you take this wine that I'm going to give you, that represents my blood. And when you eat this bread, that represents my physical body that's going to be broken for you. So Jesus clarified all these things for us. We were caught, we couldn't solve our own problems, and God had to step in and save us so that we have hope and a future. Right? So um, this morning, as we get ready for communion, there may be some people here that just look at this and go, okay, I'm, I, I've never taken communion before in my life. I'm a little nervous about this. Should I be one that takes communion or not? And to really simply answer that question, it's this straightforward. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, because that you believe is God's provision, then you're ready to take communion. You don't have to be baptized. You don't have to be perfect. Okay? We as believers that live in that, that that are part of this body of Oak Grove, are not perfect people. Okay? We're on our way to becoming such, but that's not going to happen in our life, although we're learning from the Word of God that is constantly teaching us. Okay? So we don't have to be perfect. But this is also a time of reflection where you can come, take communion, and reflect on where you're at spiritually. Are you a person that's walking with the Lord? Right? Have you spent time with him in prayer? Are you, are you reading his word? Or are you trying to run your own life based on your own feelings and thoughts and purposes? Okay? We want to get away from that as Christians. We want to dial ourselves in and go, okay, I'm trying to live the, the life that God's called me to since he saved me. Right? So it's a time of reflection. So if you accepted Christ, come and partake of it. If you, if you have accepted Christ but you're not in the greatest relationship with him, that's okay. God made you part of his family you may have to restore that relationship, right? Kids, you understand this, right? As parents, we remember back to this. There were times when I frustrated or upset my parents because I wouldn't do the right thing, but did I stop being their child? No. If, God, if Jesus Christ has purchased you, you are his brother, you are the son or daughter of the father, and that doesn't end because that's God's deal with us. It's not dependent on us being perfect to keep that intact. Okay, so you can... Come and participate and just be right with the Lord before you participate in it as you uh, experience your quiet, reverential, awesome, or fearful presence before him individually, okay? Now, if you have not said, hey, Jesus is my Savior, then don't come and take of this communion this morning, and that's okay, all right? But if you're sitting here this morning and maybe God's been working on you for a long time and this makes sense in a way that's never made sense before, and you need to get right with God, you can do that right here and right now. 
It's not something you have to do repeatedly. I didn't get reintroduced to my family repeatedly, did I? If God brings you to his family, it's a one-time event, okay? And it's simply this. You have to believe that Jesus is the Savior, the Messiah, right? If you believe that in your heart and then confess that with your mouth to God, then you will be saved, right? Romans 10, okay? And that's all this is about. So we want to make sure that everybody's in good stead this morning and you know what's going on here as we take communion because this is so important as we remember what Jesus has done for us, okay? So I'm going to just have, um, where, are we at to, where are we next here, John? We have the people come up? Okay, so if those are going to help with communion this morning, we come forward.